0: Thank you for taking the time to listen to this life-changing message from the ministry of Faith Bible Chapel. We hope this message will encourage you in all parts of your life. At the end of this message, you will hear more information on how to contact our church family, as well as directions for you to visit us for any of our worship services. Until then, join us for the service in progress. We're finishing up this series, or I'm finishing up this series called The Lifestyles of the Rich and Faithful. And so today the message I'm uh, where I'm coming from is out of 2 Corinthians 8, 9. So you have your Bibles, you can turn there, open up to chapter 8 and 9 of 2 Corinthians. And so at first, as we have stepped into this series, we looked at God's call on mankind. Why did God create you? Why did He make you? And if God is the owner of everything on the planet, What is our job in interacting with him? And we ask this question, since God gave us everything, the question we need to be asking about everything that we have in our lives is this. God, what do you want me to do about it? What do you want me to do with it? How do you want me to use it? How do I treat, how do I, how do I... Treat my my family, my wife, my kids, my friends, my, my school, the workplace, the money you put in my hands. How do you want me to use it? Because since it all belongs to you, I should probably ask you what you want me to do with it since it's his. And so we looked at that, that whole question and the whole, the whole idea of we are managers of what God's given, given us. We also looked at this idea of generosity is that when we respond out of generosity and, how we, and when we give, we actually become more like God. When you make the decision, what I have isn't mine and I'm going to be generous with it, then we become more like God. And when we do that, it breaks things off of our lives and we have freedom in areas of our lives. And it really sets, sets things free in our finances. And that's what we looked at last week at God's promise and our finances, that if we will if we will engage with the promises of God, he can unlock his blessing in our lives, in our finances. Now, but here's the deal. I believe that this whole message of this Bible is the message of the gospel. And just so you know, the gospel means the good news. In other words, when you hear a message that's preached from this Bible, it should be good news. If it is not good news for you, it is not good of the gospel and that's a big deal. So and I believe this whole idea of the gospel, the message of the Bible is one of hope. I believe it's one of liberation for your life. I believe it's one of freedom for all of us and it's of deliverance through God's son Jesus Christ and for all those who put their trust in him, we can have a life that's called a life that we live to the fullest and I want some of that in my life. God hasn't called us to live a life where we barely make it, or where we live a life that's wrapped in fear, or distrust, or anxiety where we're constantly victims of circumstances and world events and financial situations. We're always victims and we live our whole lives being victims. But Jesus came to give us a life that is full, that is satisfying, that's full of joy, that's full of victories and to live a victorious life free of fear and anchored in this reality that God is actually good. Do you agree with that? And so this doesn't just include our spirits and our souls. This includes, my friends, the gospel includes our finances. This message today is to bring freedom to you. It's to bring life to you. It's to bring victory to you. It's to bring hope to you. And it's to give us tools so that we could live this life that Jesus said we actually could live if we were in him. And that is life to the fullest. So I want to talk to you today about this whole idea about giving. Everyone say giving. I have to be honest with you, though, as I was preparing for this this week in Estes Park and praying over you and praying over our church and our, and our direction and our vision and, and what God is doing in us and what He wants to do in us, I really was wrestling through this idea of teaching about giving. Not because I don't believe in it, because I absolutely believe in it. Because I think my struggle was the fact that I've seen so many people, including myself, Over the years, be manipulated and pressured and hurt and burned by by high-powered sales pitches in churches and sob stories and manipulation of your emotion. And I believe, this is what I believe, I believe the enemy has hijacked this message about finances so God's people stay short of what God has for them. I really believe it. I believe the enemy has, has taken this, and, and it's very clear that the enemy sends fiery darts to the enemies. In other words, creates suspicions and fear and resistance to this area of finances because he knows if we cannot believe what God's Word says about it, he can keep us in a place that his whole purpose is to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And if he can create this suspicion to, to the church or that funny-looking pastor or whatever it is, and keep us from investing into God's kingdom. He will keep us stunted in our growth. And I really believe it. And so I was thinking, if I were the enemy, and I'm not, so don't. I'm not. <laughs> You're like, well, you are the No, I'm not. If, <laughs> if I were the enemy, what would I do? I teach uh, spiritual warfare over at YWAM every once in a while and teach their, their, their class. I, I, it's for a couple days and I'll teach it. And I said one way of discovering, because the enemy is an intelligent being, the one, t- one way of discovering is to say this, if I were the enemy, how would I tempt myself? Well, we, we have a lot of good knowledge about ourselves and it's kind of easy to kind of, well, this is what I would do and I'd probably do this. So if I were the enemy, what would I do? This is what I would do. I would blind the eyes of the church and of you and I who are in the church, of the supernatural workings of God in their finances. That's what I would do. Thus, I, leaving them stunted, broke, leaving them in debt, bitter, and non-effective on this earth. And with a poverty mentality. That's what I would do. And the enemy hates everything that resembles God. Hates it. And he hates God's blessing on your life. So what's he going to do? He's going he's to lie to you and deceive you to make you resist what really would bless you. That's just the reality. He's clever. And the, here's the deal with the deception. You don't know you're deceived because you're deceived. And this is what I would do if I was the enemy. And I believe this is what he has done in the church. And I believe that God wants to pull back the curtains of all of this and expose it and bring a fresh understanding of what it means to give and this whole idea of giving is all through the bible it's a game changer for you and for your family if we can receive it today today i just want to look at what does the bible really say about giving not what does jason say not what does this other guy say not what this you know the 47 keys of whatever whatever they bring financial prosperity what does the bible say about giving I'm really excited about this because this, this whole idea of giving has been a game changer for me and my family. Absolutely been a game changer for, the, for us. It's, it's helped us to enlarge our impact. It's helped us to strengthen our faith right where we are. And the whole essence, the whole foundation of Chris, Christianity is giving. Say giving. Give. And the Bible says that God is the ultimate giver. The Bible says that God so loved the world that he... He gave. That's who he is. And God wants us to be a part of his nature. And because he wants us to be more like him, he is all, he's asked us and invited us to give. And this whole idea, the, the word give actually has been, is used in scripture over 1,500 times all throughout the Bible. And when Jesus spoke about giving, now I want you to hear this for a moment. If you don't get anything else today, hear me on this because this is very important. When Jesus spoke about giving, he was much more interested in the motive of giving than he was the amount of giving. He was more interested in the motive, the heart that's going on inside of you, than he was about the amount. Yes, giving is a part of responsibility as a Christian. And and it should flow from our nature of the one who dwells in us, which is Christ And we should give to God's kingdom. And we should give to our church and be a part. If you're a part of this family, you should give here. That's just a part of the journey. It's the life I live. But more than that, it's an opportunity to change our lives forever. And not just our lives, to change our family's lives, to change our children's lives, to change our grandchildren's lives. I totally believe it. So I want to look at three reasons the Bible says we are to give. And since giving is a part of a Christian's life, I think we need to ask the question, why in the world do I give then? How, like what's, what am I thinking of when I give? And Am I just giving just to give? What, what is it? I want to give you three reasons of why do we give. That's the question I want to answer today. And our anchoring passage is really out of 2 Corinthians 8, 7. And this is Paul. He's talking about giving. He's, he's, he's writing to the church in Corinthians. He's talking about them giving of their finances. He's written to them, and he's talking to them about financially giving. So this isn't me. I'm not taking this scripture out of context. This isn't someone trying to, trying to rob. I want God's best in your life, and I want to cut off the deception of Satan that has really infiltrated our mindsets when it comes to the area of finances. Everybody said, I'm ready. All right, so let's read the 2 Corinthians 8, 7. Now, so Paul's here talking about Upon giving, he says, just as you excel in everything else, you excel in faith, and I want you to do that, and that benefits yourself. You excel in speech, and I want you to excel and grow in speech, because it benefits you. As you excel in knowledge, because as you learn more, it benefits you. As you, in in complete earnestness to excel in that, to to be able to achieve more and press forward more, and all your love for us, you are excelling. See that you also excel in this grace of what? Giving. So if every one of these has a personal benefit, excelling in speech and knowledge and earnestness and love, this also can have a personal benefit that you would excel in giving. this This is God speaking to us, speaking to the church through Paul. So God wants you. To grow in giving. You're like, well, I don't know about that. I'll I'll grow in speech. I'll grow in earnestness. I'll grow in knowledge. But giving? Hmm, I don't know. But God wants you to grow in giving just as much as he wants you to grow in faith, in love, in knowledge. He wants you to grow in giving too. That's what the scripture says. So three things of why do we give. If that's what God wants me to grow in, then why do I give? What's my motivation of giving? And it's, and it's really simple. There are three little things. But it's the first one is this. Giving is our response for what God has done for us in the past. Giving is our response for what God has done for us in our past. Giving allows me to show appreciation for what God has done for me. It's an act of worship and the reality of God in my life and what he's done for me already. It, is, it says, God, I give to you my life. I give to you. I give to you because you've given me everything. I'm breathing today. I'm alive today because God loves you. God cares for you. God's crazy about you. He has given everything that he can. He sent his son from heaven so that you could live. God, I'm so grateful. As we already talked about this morning, when we are saved, we are are cut off. We are cut off from our old life. He cuts us off. For my old life and we are given a new life to live. And I'm so thankful that I can live this life of gratitude and thankfulness of what God has already done in my life. This is why we give. And giving is gratitude for what he did yesterday. It's the highest motive. Remember I said that Jesus is more concerned about the motive of giving than he is about the amount of giving. This is the highest motive to give. To be thankful for what God has done in your personal, individual life. This is why manipulation or guilt... Or sob stories is not a motive to give of your finances. It's not. You give out of thankfulness, out of appreciation that the God of the universe knit you together in your mother's womb. Put your feet on a rock where you could stand. He delivered you from your past. And he's given you a future that's actually worth living. That's why you give. And so then Paul is, he, this whole, these, these two chapters, 8 and 9, they're all about financially giving. And I want you just to, and remember, God has written this book through Paul. And so Paul goes on to explain out of uh, verses, chapter 9, verse 7, he says this. And so, okay, how, how, how should we give and, and what does it mean to give then? If you want me to grow in giving, then, then okay, how do I do that? He's, he explains, each man or woman... It's to give what he or she has decided in his or her heart to give. That's what it says. So y- you have to make the decision. When you give to God, you- you're not giving to me. You're not giving to for any other reason. You're not giving because you feel guilty, you feel manipulated, or you feel pressured. You give because God has spoken to you. And the nature of the king that lives in your heart is saying, come on, I want you to give and participate with me. Each man is to give what he's decided in his heart to give. Not reluctantly, <laughs> or I don't want to give this, but I guess I better give it because I think the pastor's watching. Oh, okay, yeah, I'll put that I gave today. Not, no, nothing. Not reluctantly or under compulsion. Why? Because God cares about the motive. Because God loves a cheerful, you could swap that word out, a thankful giver. When we give, it isn't just supplying the needs of God's people, and God uses it for that. But it's an expression of our joy and our thanks to God. So we give out of gratitude for what God has done in our lives There's no strings attached to it. It's, God, I give to to my church. I give to your people because you've, you've done so much in my life. And we don't give because of obligation. We give because of our love for him. Because we know that God is the source of all things. He's the source of our life. He's the source of our abilities. He's the source of your mind. So many people that God has gifted with an IQ. There's something that happens that and, and sometimes an arrogance can settle, in. just like anyone with an extraordinary gift, it's just not IQ. And what happens is arrogance comes in and they think, "Well, I'm really smart. Well, God, what do you want to use my smarts for?" Well, where in the world do you think you got your smarts from? Did you knit your brain together? Some people might think they did, but you did not. Did you, did you give yourself the ability to 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 expand business? Did you give yourself an, an ability to play an instrument? Did you give yourself the ability to, to, to get that job? Did you give yourself the ability to, to be able to communicate and speak? Did you get no? Where'd it come from? God. He gave it to you. The reason why you're good at the arts is because God made you good at the arts. The reason why you're good with the handling money, because God made you good at handling money. It's actually very simple. The reason why God made you a good chef is because, sorry, the reason why you're a good chef is because God made you a good chef. See, I'm already thinking about food. It's getting close to lunch. God did it. You are it because he made you it. He owns it all. He's our source, and we give because God first gave to us. Jesus said this, and this this sums it up. He says, freely you have received. Now, freely you give. That's what he said. I didn't say that. Jesus said that. We give to God. We express our appreciation to God. We're saying, God, I love you. God, I care about you. God, I care about what you care about. God, I love the church that you love. God, I love these people that you love. God, I'm grateful for all you've done. I'm partnering with you. I'm partnering with my church. I'm partnering with this mission called the Great Commission. I'm partnering with reaching as many people for Jesus as I possibly can. I am a part with what you're doing. The gates of hell will not prevail against what I'm a part of. That's what it means. And we, and as we invest into that, we become an, an intimately involved in God's expansion program for the kingdom of God. And our lives are changed in the process. Our lives are changed. And when our finances are only touching things in this world, we, they, will only, they will only manifest the things of the world. But when our finances begin to touch the things of the kingdom, guess what? The kingdom begins to get in our finances. They begin to rub off. It begins to transform everything that we are involved in. Now, here's the deal about giving. And I love the way that God uses Paul to write to us today. He says this out of um, chapter 8, verse 8. He says this, I'm not commanding you. I'm not telling you, I'm not saying you better do this and you better. Listen, that is not, that is not the good news. I'm not commanding you, uh uh-uh. Now again, remember Jesus is more interested in the motive than he is about the amount. But I want to test the sincerity of your love. Wow. I'm not, I'm not telling you to give. I'm not telling you how much to give. I, I want you to give as a test To the sincerity of your love, your giving is 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 attached, whether we like it or not, to the reality of our love for God. No matter what we say, what we do with our money tells what we really value in life. It really does. The first reason we give is not because we're under pressure. Because we want to express appreciation and love for the goodness of God in our lives. That's what the Word of God says. And there are many people who, well, listen, you can't talk about money in church. That's really hard because the Bible talks about money almost more than anything else. So in order for me to be true to what God's asked me to do, I have to talk to you about what's called the totality of Scripture. In other words, all of it. And that includes our money. Everyone say money. Good. I just good, just to just blow the cobwebs off of it. It's okay. It's okay. We can say money in church. And the second reason we give, so the first one is out of appreciation for what God's done in the past. Second reason we give is to be a response for what God is doing in the present, right now, today. I actually think that we can go deeper than that. I think giving allows us to examine our hearts right here in the present, to examine us where we are today. It helps me to look beyond my own needs, it helps me to look beyond myself. The reality is, we're, we're, the reality is whether we like it or not, every person in this room, and I'm gonna say something really mean, is self centered. Go ahead and turn. No, don't do that. I'm just kidding. (laughs) We just are. We we, we think about me. We think about me. We have a tendency to think, when we think of our finances, we have a tendency, it's it's all about me. I mean, let's just be honest. You know, if we, we sense, well, God, you know, I I I'm gonna, God, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give. You know, I'm going to, offerings, I'm going to give, or I'm going to give online, or, but then we're like, but wait a minute, God, I hope you understand. This is, this is 22 Starbucks. (laughs) Let's just be honest. Let's just be honest. Our money's important to us. It's 22 Starbucks, God. Now I understand what Paul meant by, I I pour out my life like a drink offering. I understand. (laughs) (laughs) That was—I didn't say that first service. That was a Holy Spirit moment, right there. I'm telling you. <laughs> Lord, Lord, I, listen, God. I don't think—I I mean, this means a lot to me. I, I need. I need. Free data on my, on my cell phone because you know how I love Netflix, God. Lord, you know I gotta get my Netflix on. And that's just the reality of where we live. Our money is attached to me, what I want. Giving helps us think outside of what we want. Helps us think not on our level, but on God's level. That he owns it in the first place. We need to examine ourselves. Are we just living for us? Are we partnering with God through the church to to take care of each other? To to expand the work of the gospel. To reach people with a life-changing message of Jesus Christ. To serve the nations together. Are we doing that? And when we give, it reminds us that it's not about us. It doesn't belong to me. It never has. and never will. I'm a manager of what God has given to me. And also the Bible says when we give, it helps us prevent selfishness. And actually, as we give, it is the antidote to selfishness. Because we pick it up in the world, everywhere we go, everyone we walk into, every conversation we have, it's, it's selfish. When we give, it is the antidote. It silenced that voice of selfishness in our hearts. It helps us to keep our priorities in balance. I need to participate, me personally, in an act of faith that helps me keep my priorities in balance. And here's, in in Deuteronomy, God is talking to his people about giving 10% or what what was called the tithe of their livelihood. Everything that they had, bring 10% and bring it into the storehouse. Now, here's the question. Here's the, I always want to get down to the why. But why? But why, God? And God lays it out. He tells you the why. Here it is. This is why you are to give. So that. You may learn to revere the Lord, your God, always. That's why we give. I mean, these are people that they've journeyed with God. They, 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 they've heard stories. maybe experienced themselves. They, they, they had seen their, their clothes grew with them as they grew in the desert as they left Egypt. They saw manna come from heaven. They wanted quail, quail, drop. They ate it frogs crawled out. They saw it. It was a part of the, of course, obviously, they'd seen Moses go up on the mountain and come back and his face is, I mean, glowing. And they saw the ground open up and swallow people and they died because they were worshiping. They had seen all of this. And so you would think these people probably understand what it means to fear and revere God. He says, no, this is why I want you to give. Because if you do, if you will give, It will teach you and help you to learn how to revere the Lord your God always. In other words, it will help you keep your priorities right. This one thing, giving. I mean, there were times in my life and as I was giving my my tithe and my offering, I I said, God, I'm pretty sure, God, I need this money more than you do. (laughs) I'm pretty sure. How many here have thought that? Let's just be honest. Come on. Okay, all right, good, good. But I was missing the point. What I give is not about my 10% or whatever amount you give, it is about what it represents, which is my whole life. Nothing is more important to us than our money because it represents our life. It's how you how you, you you feed your kids. It's how you buy your clothes. It's it's how we do everything. It's how, it's how we interact with everything in our life. There, listen, there is no that's how we do it. It's how we pay our mortgage. It's how we put gas in our car. And that that is that that is that is a difficult thing because it's it's so attached to me personally. And God wants us to understand that he owns us and that we would revere the Lord your God always. And giving is how we keep that priority in check. Because, again, if you start dealing with, wait, God, wait a minute, God, if I give this money, if I, well, if I don't give it, what can I do? Or if I give it, I'm eating hamburgers. If I don't give it, I'm eating steaks. That's what we think. Let's just be honest. If I give it, we're eating at home this week. If I don't give it, ooh, there's this new Chinese restaurant I really want to go to. Because it's connected to us so much. But the Lord says, I want you to give so that you can keep me in the right priority. Because I know that if you do that, I've got some stuff in store for you that you won't even be able to contain. And we'll talk about that in just a moment. A man has never been dealt with by God until he has allowed God to deal with his finances. Ooh. And we all know it's true because we all got a little shiver down our spine. <laughs> because it's, it's such a part of us. Here's the deal. God wants me. God wants he wants you. He wants your lives. And he wants us to participate in his kingdom. That's how he wants it. And we do that by giving. And I believe there's, there are many Christians who don't understand why they're not growing in their faith. Or why they never have any prayers answered. Or why they don't see changes in their life that they want. Or why they don't have victory over habits and they keep stumbling over and over and over and over again. And I think maybe it's because they have never answered this question. Who owns me? Who owns me? Listen, if I belong to myself, man, we are in serious trouble. But there are some areas of my life, God, you own that, and I'll take this. That's really what the series has all been about. That this idea of lordship, saying, God, be Lord of everything in my life. My money, my physical, my everything in my life. And giving is the test. Of who owns my life. It's the expression of ownership. Now listen, giving doesn't, doesn't make God own you. It's the expression of someone who is owned by God. So we give to express appreciation. We give to examine our motivation. We give to keep us on track and to keep our priorities right As what we just read. To keep us balanced, to keep us focused, to keep us a part of the kingdom of God that's advancing and moving forward. To keep us part of this church that allows us to gather and to continue to preach the gospel and serve one another. To know God, to find freedom, to discover purpose and for us to make a difference on this world. That's why we do it. But we do it out of appreciation first and foremost above everything else. But what's the third reason that we give? We give or giving is... To be a response for what God will do for me in the future. This one's exciting to me. This is where we express our expectation, our faith of what God wants to do in the future. This is an act of faith. Investing into what we cannot see but are expecting for. Now, in the world, that's called insanity. In God's kingdom, that's called faith. You've put your trust in a God that you can't see. But yet after you did it, you felt the immediate results in your life, in your family, in your mind. And giving is a response for what's in the future, something we can't see. And what does what Hebrews 11 say? It says faith is the confidence, is having confidence in what we hope for and assurance to know about what we do not see. But it's coming. Here's my question for you. Do you have something you're hopeful for in your life? Okay, if you have something that you're hopeful for, how are you investing into that? By faith, how are you sowing into that? Paul talks about this in 2 Corinthians 9, 6. He says this, remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Now listen, I didn't write this. You're like, I know that, but I did not. God wrote this. And this is what he said about giving. Whoever sows sparingly, will reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will reap generously. This is what the scripture says. So this is all in the context of a farmer planting. You know, it's the farmer who's putting seed in the ground. But here's the deal. Here's the deal about planting. It always is attached to the future. There were no microwave, like, farming, you know, experiments. It hasn't happened. And you can't see into the future. The farmer can't see into the future. And he has faith in the natural. I grew up in a farming community. They go out there, they plant it, they put the seed in the ground, and they walk away. Somehow this, this farmer has, has faith in his little, just tiny seed. You put it in this dirt and you cover it up. What are you doing? I'm planting. Well, how do you know something's going to grow? I just have faith. He has faith in his little seed, insignificant. And he doesn't stand at the edge of his field and wring his hands and say, Oh man, I I hope this is going to work. I hope that seed does something and I hope that dirt helps it. I hope He, he doesn't do that. He has faith. He's confident that what he planted will produce a harvest. How much more should we who serve the God of the Almighty... The the creator of the universe who measures the universe by the span of his hand. Who knows every hair on your head. Who knows every need. He knows your heart. He knows your dreams. He knows your hopes. He knows everything you're believing for. How much more could we leverage our faith and believe in a supernatural God who can determine the quantity of your future harvest by how much you reap now? How much you sow now? How much more? If a farmer sows and reaps in the ground, in the natural, how much more can we sow and reap in the soil of a supernatural God? And here's the other thing. What is, for a farmer, what is the limit to a farmer's harvest? Is land. You can only plant so much. You come to the edge, you come to the borders, you come to, you're done. This is, you can only plant so much. Another, you, it is what it is. Here, here, here it is. We serve a God who gives us no borders. He owns a cattle on a thousand hills. He's, he's the God who, he, he never comes into a land shortage. And he's saying this, you plant as much as you want to plant. You just go on over. You need another field? Just go plant another field. And the more you plant, the more you will harvest. That's what scripture says. I know it's hard for us to understand that. We said, Jason, what are you saying? I'm just saying what the Bible's saying. I'm saying this. Whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will reap generously. That's what this whole passage is about sowing financially. And giving shows our faith. God says it's like planting. It's like, it's like deposits. No deposit, no return. It's planting. See, giving means making an investment into the future. So how do we invest into the future? That you and I, how do we do this? Every time you give cheerfully and thankfully, you're investing for the future. God says every time that you give, I'm, that you are investing into the future. That's what it says. Harvest isn't immediate. It's always in the future. So how, how do we know if that's true? I mean, here, God, God's speaking to this prophet named Malachi. And he's talking to him about what would happen if we really believed him or took him at his word. And God says this through Malachi. He says this, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. This whole idea of storehouse is basically this, to the place that you worship, the place, the community that you're a part of. Bring it in there so that God can be glorified through us. Bring it into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. In other words, to take care of the house. To take care of what God is doing in us as a church. Test me in this. Man, that's strong words. Say, says the Lord Almighty. So in other words, test me, says the Lord Almighty. This, this, what that means is this is the big dog talking. And what he says, he actually means it. Test me. And see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. Someone say amen. Amen. Do you believe this verse? That's the question. You don't have to answer. Do you believe it? If we don't if this verse isn't real, let's just cut it out of the Bible. Just scribble it out. How get your little sharpie and just cover it up if it's not true. But this our God who has saved us says this. I dare you. Go ahead and try to see if you can outgive me. You want to arm wrestle son? Come on. You think You think if you give to me that I'll just ignore that? You think if you plant where I'm calling you to plant, you think I will ignore that? Try it. I will blow your socks off. That's my own version. That's not in the Bible. (laughs) I dare you. The more you give, the more I will bless your life. That's not me talking. That's God talking. All of this is saying whoever sows... Sparingly, reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously, reaps generously. It's saying your giving determines what God can do in your life. There's always a partnership. God never does anything alone. He invites us. It's a fundamental pr- principle of managing what God's given us. or stewardship. God says we reap what we sow. Our giving determines what he can do in our lives. So here's some questions for you. What are you expecting God to do in your life? How much do you want God to bless your life? How much are you expecting God to act? How much are you believing Him for the future? If you want the, if you want the answer to that question, if you want to know how much God is able to do in your life in the future, just for a moment, take a look at your giving. Are you planting? Are you sowing? Are you giving? Here's the thing I wish, I wish this, this whole idea that God doesn't say you will reap whatever you wish for. He doesn't say that. He says you will reap at the connection and the level of which you sow. That's what he says. So this, this isn't, this is God inviting us to invest, to sow, and to reap. God says you don't, you don't give to people or, or to somebody or to a church, to this church because of manipulation, because it, it moves your emotions and are just, you know, because you, you love the coffee or whatever it may be. You don't give. You don't give because you feel guilty. You don't give because you're under pressure. Listen, you don't give because you're trying to escape a curse. Now, just let, let me speak this just for a moment. For many years, there have been a teaching in the church, and if you disagree with me, that's totally fine. I, I understand where you're coming from. Because out of, out of the, the Old Testament, says, if you don't give, you will, you will heap a curse on your life. I'm pretty sure that Galatians 3.3 says that Jesus took the curse of the law and nailed it to a cross. So let, let me set you, don't give out of guilt and so that you're trying to escape the curse. You give because of the goodness of Jesus Christ and what he's done in your life. That's the way to give. You give from your spirit. You give from your life. You, you give because you're alive. Don't get please don't. Let's, let's just lose that whole verbiage. Okay, you are, if you are in Christ, you are not under a curse. Amen? Okay, all right. Just a side note there. You don't give because you're under pressure. You give as an act of gratitude, as an act of keeping your priorities in order, as an act and a statement for faith of the future that by by the grace of God, by faith, I'm going to reap a harvest in the future. And you cannot outgive God. We hear it all the time, but do we believe it? Now listen to what this man Jesus says. He, he's not a guy on TV. He's not a guy with a funny hairdo. He's not a guy on a telethon. He's trying to raise money. But this is Jesus, the very son of God, that all things were created through him and by him. He sits at the right hand of the Father. He says this, give and it will be given to you. That's what he says. And then he goes on to say, well, but, but how, how much? How much is it going to be given to, to you? So... A good measure. Oh, wow. A good measure. Well, how, how much is a good measure? Um, it's pressed down. Okay, so it's pushed down. Okay, all right. It's shaken together. So it's, so it's a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Oh, it's running all over the place. That's what happens when you give. Now, Now, I'm going to say something very bold, and I hope you're not offended. Either Jesus is a liar or he's the Lord of the universe. That's what it says. It will be poured into your lap. I'll take some of that in my lap. For with the measure you use, again, here's this sowing and reaping, with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. We just can't get away from this thing, it just keeps coming up. And you cannot outgive God. That's why when you make decisions, to give consistently to the church. Between you and God. However you choose. However God leads you to give to this church. It's an act of faith. You're given to the storehouse. Which we just read about. We make financial commitments. In every area of our lives. Every area. But when it comes to making a personal financial commitment to, to God. We think, well, God, I, I, don't, I don't want to paint myself in a corner. Listen. We will, or, or but what if things change? And what if, you know, we'll make all these excuses. But listen, I, I went out and got a 30-year mortgage. I don't know what I'm going to be doing. And who knows what, what the economy's going to be doing in 15 years? Do you know? But we got a 30, we made a commitment to the bank. Hey, you and me bank, come on. And they, they didn't promise you anything. God has promised he would bring you a return on your investment far beyond anything you could ever imagine. And you can give by reason, which means that you you get get all your your, your bills out and say, you know what, I, I can't afford to give. Which is like a farmer saying, I can't afford to plant any seed. That's what it's like. Are you a farmer? Yeah, I'm a farmer. Have you planted anything? No, I can't afford. I only only have two bags of seed. I can't afford to plant those two bags of seed. You would say what? Well, you can't afford not to because you're a farmer. Or you can give by revelation that says, I believe God meant what he said in in his word, and I'm actually going to believe that God meant what he said. The amount of giving that a person ought to give, it's a matter between you and God. It's a personal thing between you and God. There ought to be something that's not made hastily or because you heard this, you know, oh, I'm inspired, I'm going to give now. Now listen, if God's speaking to you, that's great. But this is something you need to work out between you and God. You need to pray about it. You need to discuss it. You need to talk to maybe other people about it. You need to make it a matter of prayer. But there are some biblical characteristics, though, that Paul lays out of why or how do we give. And very, very briefly, how do we give? He says it in 1 Corinthians 16. Now about the collection for God's people. In other words, giving money through the church. Not to the church, through the church. About collection for God's people. Do what I told the Galatian church to do. On the first day of every week, each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with his income. Saving it up so that when I come, no collection will have to be made. So here's here's the whole idea. How do we give? According to Scripture, according to how Paul, one, we need to give regularly. It needs to be a part of our lives. It needs to be systematic. For them, he was saying, how about this? On the first day of the week, set, some, set money aside so that we can give through the church. Make it regular. Make it systematic. Not spasmatic. <laughs> but make it regular. Secondly, how you should give, he says, it needs to be planned. Don't just do it based on your emotions. You need to set aside a sum of money. You need to plan that out. Think about it. Don't don't let someone come in and manipulate your emotions, get you to do something impulsively or hastily. It ought to be thought out. It ought to be planned. And it ought to be set aside. That's your harvest. Don't eat your seed. Thirdly, it should be proportional. He says this. You should give in keeping... With your income. In keeping with your income. What does that mean? Has God blessed you a lot? Then you should give a lot. If God's blessed you a little, then you should give a little. It ought to be in proportion. For me personally, a percentage is very helpful for me. For me, that's, when, when, I, when I read the, the tithing and the understanding of tithing for me, that's my starting point. I, 10%. God, I'll start at 10%. Then I'm, I'm giving back to God what already belongs to him. If you've never given a percentage, I want to give you a challenge. If you've never had a percentage that you regularly give, I think you need to consider. Maybe you ought to consider that today. Give a percentage. If you're thinking, man, I, I can't get the 10%. Here's the deal. Start at 2%. You know, well, Jason, don't be. Oh, if they don't give the 10%, that's fooey. I'm, 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 no. Jesus said give and it will be given back to you. Start at 2%. If you're at 2%, go to 3%. Listen, the more you plant, the more you reap. The more you plant, the more you reap. Now, here's, here's the other thing. Those of us who've been tithing for years, this is what God spoke to me this week. He said, Jace, that's what he calls me, him mega. God." He said, uh, does it take any faith for you to give 10%? I said, no. It's just I've been doing it. It is. I'm doing it as as a love and appreciation. He said, Jason, you like to live by faith, don't you? Yeah. You need to give more than 10%. Now, that percentage is between me and God. For me, 10% is a starting point. For some of you you have been given 10% your, your whole life, praise God. Is it time to give 12%? Now, I'm talking about ridiculous, radical things right now. I'm coming from the premise that the Bible is actually true. And I don't think you guys would expect me to do anything less. Maybe, maybe, you, maybe you give 12%. Maybe God wants you to give 13%. Maybe you've given zero. And the Lord says... I want you to start giving. Planned. I want you to give regular. I want you to get a plan. I want you to give in proportion. Give me 1% of your income. Give me 2% of your income. Give me 8% of your income. Wherever you're at, I'm telling you, God wants you to have a harvest. And he will not violate his word. He who sows will reap. But he who doesn't sow, he needs something to work with. God never does anything alone. And begin to engage your life with a supernatural God who actually wants to do what he says in his word, to pour out a blessing on you that you cannot contain. He needs you. He's inviting you. Plant in my soil. Plant in my kingdom. We do this out of our love, Appreciation for what he's done in my past. We do this because of what he's doing in my life and we give and we plant and we sow for what I believe he's going to do in the future. And I would love to partner with you. I'd love for us as a church and a family to be ridiculous in our belief in God. Not your belief in faith Bible chapel but your belief in what God wants to do through a community of believers called Faith Bible Chapel. You and me, there's a a family that doesn't have a prayer without the gospel of Jesus. Let's partner together to reach Him. There are people in this church who, who need things in their life. Let's sow into the kingdom of God, and then through this church we're able to meet their their needs together let's celebrate and high five last service we had six people give their lives to Jesus we could celebrate, you did that you did that the vision of the kingdom, let that be a part of our lives and I will commit to you we we will be stewards of every cent. For the sake of God's kingdom. But I'm asking you, begin to sow where you are. Begin to plant in the soil of the kingdom of God. Let's all stand to our feet. We hope that this message has spoken something personal to you. If you would like more information about our church family or service times, please call us at 303-424-2121 or visit us at our website, www.fbci.org. Faith Bible Chapel currently meets in our Family Worship Center, located on the corner of 62nd Avenue and Ward Road.